The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to be inspired, uplifted, and motivated to greatness? It's time for Star Style. Be the star you are. With your effervescent personal growth coaches, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and health specialist, Heather Brittany. Define your vision, discover your passion, and design your future in this power-packed hour of life-changing talk radio. Featuring authors and success experts dedicated to helping you achieve the results you deserve. Be entertained, edutained, encouraged, and empowered. Smile, have fun, and celebrate you. Explore your potential and embrace your possibilities with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on Star Style. Be the star you are, starting right now. Howdy, howdy. Hello, Power Partners. And welcome to Radio's Finest Hour of Power. It is Star Style. Be the star you are. A program of great books and personal achievement. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are so happy to be your personal growth success coaches with you every single week because we know you have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. And we want to help you get there. So we do have you on our radar. We're going to help you fix what's broken, heal what hurts, and become the person you were born to be. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you for writing, speaking, and media interviews for your personal consultation contact. 925-377-STAR or visit starstyleproductions.com. And this is by Christopher Morley. When you sell a man a book, you don't sell him 12 ounces of paper and ink and glue. You sell him a brand new life. <laughs> I love that. As an that's author, great. that's a good one. Isn't that, Heather? It's true. That's awesome. That's what books do for us, I think. You know, it does give us a brand new, a brand new life. Well, everyone, today I am coming to you live from the beautiful Newport Beach, and Heather is in Redondo Beach, so it's mm-hmm. definitely a Southern California day. I'm down in Southern California to coach clients for TV shows, which is very exciting, especially since they were guests on the radio show. And Heather and I have got a terrific lineup for you. We're going to be welcoming back to our show the poetic, award-winning author, Roland Almack. But this time, he's got a science fiction novel called Remnant. It's great. So he'll be with us in segment two. Coming right up in Health Matters and our Tea for Two segment, our resident healthy hostess, Heather, is going to bring us a segment on what I'm calling man food. It's alternative choices to help the men in our lives be the best they can be by eating correctly. And in our final 20 proud teen coach that I am, I'm going to be sharing some of the writings from Teen Scene, some of the kids that I've coached that are published. So, Heather, uh, speaking of Teen Scene, I just wanted to tell you 
Nina Cellular is really excited to announce that our sponsor for our Express Yourself a live radio booth at the Pear and Wine Festival is the La Miranda Weekly, which is awesome. Is that fun? So the kids are really excited because they're going to get to meet the publishers and the main editor. And for all of you out there, if you want to ch- uh, check out this newspaper, visit LaMarindaWeekly.com. So um, let's get to men and eating. There was um, a book, and actually it became a saying, that real men don't eat quiche. <laughs> I think new research is indicating that eating less meat and more fresh vegetables and fruits is going to improve the health of the male gender as much as it improves the female gender. So, Heather, I know you always do research. How can the men in our lives be the best that they can be? Exactly. Well, just as you always say, you've heard it once, you've heard it before, that um, healthy eating is really what controls our life. It can vastly decrease a lot of chronic diseases, which we've touched on in other teeth for two before, our health special stuff. Um, but then it's interesting, why are there so many of these chronic diseases actually um, affect men at higher rates? than women, and they impact our moods, um, and they actually, you know, can help us perform better in sports, so that's going out to the men. Um, I think what kind of got us on this topic is that I just recently uh, read a study done by Brown University, their health service department, um, and it said that the 10 leading causes of death that were associately, um, excuse me, are associated associated directly um, with diet, and those would be heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, and a lot of times, you know, when we just say, oh, you know, just eat healthier, it's a lot easier said than done, especially for men, because there's sort of, um, you know, men don't eat cheese. There's sort of this thing that men eat meat and potatoes, and that's, you know, eating like a man, that's the stereotype, and there's been this thing called the caveman diet, and a lot of people think that that means, um, you know, meat, things that come from the earth, which is a yes and no. If you want to do the caveman diet, think back to what was available to caveman. To caveman. I love that. I mean, they a lot of vegetables and roots and leaves and I always think it'd be a lot, a lot of, lot more uh, vegetation as opposed exactly. to meat. Exactly, exactly. In, in early civilization, there wasn't um, as much meat around um, as there was, you know, sort of eating off the land, and that's why, you know, though they were plagued with other things such as, you know, no medicine for diseases. Health-wise, they actually were healthier, and they were, in, in essence, they were eating more few fruits, vegetables, and grains. Um, and the big kind of thing is how to change uh, men's view of this. And a lot of people, um, I know very few um, men vegetarians um, or people, you know, that are only eating a small amount. And studies actually show um, men are eating such a high amount that they really only need 12 ounces of meat per day. And a lot of times they'll have 12 ounces. Uh, 12 ounces of meat in a single serving. Um, what a big thing, I'm not to, you know, try to turn against me, thing is a lot of times um, with the portions with things happening or with it, men seem to, um, these meats that they're eating are fried or battered, so therefore they have a lot of trans fat, even saturated fat and sodium. And, and as you know, just recently, um, you know, it seems like every week they're saying the new culprit of health is, is this and this. But a lot of studies have um, concluded that, you know, these trans fat, these 
non, you know, not the ones that are not monounsaturated, saturated fats, and salt, sodium. I mean, it raises our blood pressure. It puts our heart at stress. Uh, just something that try to, you know, make uh, when going to the grocery store, especially for men. And, and if you have a man in your life, um, doing the grocery shop, you know, including eating together. We all know how hard it can be with kids sometimes trying to get them to eat healthy. And, and they really need to have a good role model from their parents and, you know, have fun ways of, you know, eating these meals is making the checklist you know, when you're going to the grocery store. So first off, the biggest thing is shopping with the season. Not only are you going to get the freshest fruit, but things, the freshest fruit and vegetables, things will also be um, at a less expensive price because they're in season. And I season. wanted to throw in there, Heather, yeah. that right now is it's like the peak of harvest time. And for the next few weeks, everyone should be able to, if you don't grow it yourself, you should be able to go to farmer's markets or even your local supermarket is going to have fresh local vegetables, food, uh, fruits, herbs, uh, root vegetables, all of those things. So really, really enjoy it right now, and especially those great tomatoes, right? Exactly. And, you know, a big thing I want to say when making a grocery list, if you're the woman alive or the guy, whatever it may be, um, studies have shown that men tend to eat out more. And I'm, this is, I know some amazing male cooks, but a lot of times, um, and especially busy jobs, there's, yes, uh, when you eat out, you don't have to prepare. Uh, you don't have to do much preparation for it or when you order in. However, again, a lot of things, those things can have high sodium because sodium tends to be more flavorful and fatful. So when going to the grocery store, just getting, you know, some couple man-friendly things, um, staples to keep at home. First off, bananas. Um, bananas in general contain um, about three grams of fiber, and fiber keeps you full. And something also, a little side note, is um, bananas, because of the high potassium levels, are great hangover cures. So that's a good thing oh, for men well, to keep men I was going to say men, I, you know, not that women don't get hangovers, but I know a lot more men that drink a lot more than women. They're going to like that, right? Another thing, avocados, not only do they make great guacamole, but they're really nutrient-dense, again, in that fiber. And they don't do have fat in it. It's a healthy fat. So those are the kind of uh, portion control. That's the kind of fat we do want in our diet. Another thing, the same goes with extra, all, um, extra virgin olive oil. Um, you know, eating just sort of like Italian food, drizzling it on, um, a lot of times at restaurants, when they bring it to you in that big and a little cup for you to dip it in, there's so much in there. So just using portion controls, just drizzling a little, it's just there to give it flavor. Um, another individual nut packages, um, if you do buy nuts in bulk, single them out, make them into smaller size because, as we all know, if we're given a large size, we tend to eat the large size. So if you're just eating it straight out of a giant um you know, giant container, you're going to tend to eat more than the actual portion control of it. And then that's not, you're not going to be getting the healthy values of it. Also, they're good. I know you used to call them your pass-out pills. They have, um, you know, that extra little bit of natural protein and potassium, a lot of vitamins in it that can give you sustainable energy. Um, something, too, of pre-made tortellini. Always, I, I'm always cautious about anything that's pre-made. Always just check the labels to look at sodium content. Um, a lot of times now they have lower sodium, but something simple as those, you know, frozen tortellini or pre-made ones, you open the package, you put it in water, in six minutes it's done. Chop up some vegetables, throw it in, you've got a complete meal. Um, something you can... Know, I was 
Yeah, just say something there, too. If you're doing pasta, you could make a really yummy mushroom sauce for it with just fresh mushrooms, and that way you can skip that high sodium in, in the canned sauces or soups. You can use uh, white buttons or portobellos or shiitakes or even an assortment, and all you got to do is chop up a little onion, a little mushroom, olive oil, uh, some garlic, some parsley, and maybe if you want to put in yogurt or sour cream, Cook it up, and you've got a great sauce that will be yeah, and and you can also yeah, and instead of using actual noodles, you can also use spaghetti squash. It actually has a very similar consistency. Or they also make tofu, um, tofu noodles that I've had before that are absolutely delicious. That um, have the same texture, they look the same, they're just healthier for you. And it's okay to use canned vegetables again. Buy the ones that say low sodium or read the labels because there's a lot of hidden um, sodium additives to keep things preservatives. We want to stay away from those. Um, I can't remember the last time. I can't remember the last time I've ever opened a can of anything other than tuna fish. And every Mm -hmm. canned vegetable I've ever tasted tastes horrible. But maybe that's because I'm a gardener and I grow everything. But (laughs) but but it's good to know that they're making low sodium canned stuff for those people who yeah. And that goes that goes for for soups as well, too. Even though things may say hard healthy on it, read the labels. It's just because there's all these hidden salts in it, which is coming from sodium. Um, and studies have actually shown that um, that start, you know, starting at an early age, that if you give your kids things like that, they, they develop um, a taste for saltier snacks. And that over time, um, that's why people crave salty or sugary things. So it's always fresh is always better. But if you're in a circumstance where you can't, you know, you don't have the ability to get fresh vegetables or fresh fruit and you're having to use canned or frozen things, just look, just take that quick extra 20 seconds to look at the label and make sure you're not getting something that's going to be counterproductive towards your health. Something, um, you know, I've been talking about younger people, but as we get older, you know, we know women go through menopause and all the crazy things. Things actually show that men go through um, an andro, uh, yeah, an andropause. Um, because, you know, and androgynous uh, males. And that's why, you know, when men I get older... It, I think it's menopause. I think it could be menopause, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, the big thing is, as we know, our bodies change when we're old. That's why people say, God, you know, I just can't eat the way I used to, or, you know, I, I, when I exercise, everything hurts nowadays, those kind of things. Um, same thing happens, you know, for men. It's why, you know, our stomach, we start developing, you know, more uh, cortisol, fat levels, elevated cholesterol. Um, men can become more depressed, you know, irritable moods, loss of muscle mass, um, fatigue. So, again, all those things we always talk about, uh, you know, someone I've used it before, but someone I work with told me a great thing that in life we will never truly own our house or our cars. The only thing you ever truly own is your body, is your health. So you might as well make it your temple and make it the best thing you ever own. Take such good care of it. So that's why you know, we all we all have to eat sometimes or drink something bad, but really to eating healthy. And that's why um, you know throughout any age, starting young as well, you really need to be more mindful as you get into your silver, into your golden years, um, because your body processes food differently and it needs different nutritional needs. Um, again, women you know need to be having more calcium for their bones. Same thing goes with men. Men are susceptible um, as well to um, osteoporosis. Men, at, uh, women at a higher rate. Men need to watch that too. Their bodies don't bounce back. Um, 
same thing that this kind of goes for everyone overall, but especially towards men. Um, you know, making changes in your life or things to one, you know, don't smoke. If you do smoke, stop. I mean, I, I know we, we discuss that every, how many times um, and how many studies show there are no health benefits to smoking. Right. Right. Um, yeah, eating healthy, managing your chronic pains. And, um, don't, you know, as we know, the longer we wait, the more we keep thinking it's going to go away. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that could, that little ache could actually be something a lot bigger. So go, um, go to the so doctor at early time. Stress. Well, Heather, another excellent, excellent uh, tea for two and health matters with our man food and man cave. So men really could go back to the cave as long as they start eating healthier and eating vegetables to their diet. And then if we all just realize that we are all part of the human race and so that we all have to be healthy, we'll give out the website. Most definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.com as well as BeTheStarYouAre.org. And when we return from our break, multiple award-winning writer Roland Alnack returns to Star Style with us, but this time with his science fiction thriller, Remnant. We'll be right back. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Don't go away. Sci-fi. Come it up. You are the star. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com You can express yourself. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and motivated to greatness with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Turn up the volume. Tune in to the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. 
Now, back to the program with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. You'll find all you need. Well, hooray, you're going to be so happy you stayed tuned here on Star Style, Beauty Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. For some writers, a day job is a means to an end, and something they just dream of one day quitting to pursue a dream of writing full-time. But for other writers, a day job can actually fuel a writing career, whether that's by developing skills that are helpful to the business of writing or by developing subject matter and expertise that comes in handy in their work such as working the night shift in a hospital. Roland Allnott knows this scenario firsthand as he worked the night shift in a hospital for over 20 years before starting his second chapter of life as a writer. And what he learned there inspires his tales of horror, paranormal activities, and science fiction. He is back with us today to share his novel, Remnant, that has just won multiple awards it is so great to have you back on the show, Roland. Welcome again to Star Shall Be the Star You Are. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back. Well, Roland, as I just said to you off the air, first of all, congratulations. It, this is very exciting. Much ado about everything. You have just received great news that both of your books, Remnant and Oddities and Entities, that we talked about last time you were on the show, they are medalist finals for the reader's favorite in the 2012 Book Awards, right? Yes, that's true. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough uh, in a very large competitive field to uh, win prizes with both books, and uh, you know, of course, it's very gratifying. <laughs> uh, and it's actually the second award for Remnant because I uh, placed with the National Indie Excellence Awards in 2011 with that, and with Oddities, I actually placed in two categories with Reader's Favorite and Horror and Paranormal. So, yeah, it's been a, a very exciting September, and uh, like I said, you know, with all the work it takes to sit down, write a book, craft a story, proofread it, and get it to that final form to receive recognition for it is it's a wonderful feeling. <laughs> it's huge. I mean, it's huge. And this was, as you said, this had a lot of competition. This was a very big contest, including not only small uh, publishers, self-publishers, but big publishers like HarperCollins. So, you know, that added perk of having Oddities was uh, one of only six books in the entire competition to place uh, multiple awards in multiple categories. I mean, this is this is really extraordinary. So congratulations. I mean, I hope you've been popping the champagne. You certainly deserve it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's, it's still uh, sinking in a little bit. <laughs> you know, when I first uh, submitted to the contest, it was, like you said, it was small publishers, self-publishers, and I figured, okay, this is the, the market I'm working in right now. But then the, the contest grew, and it was the biggest turnout they've had in the years they've been doing the contest. And, you know, then some of the big boys stepped in, HarperCollins stepped in, and, you know, it's, again, it's, it's almost a little mind-numbing to uh, right, <laughs> right, place right. among all that competition. So, and again, it's, it's a huge Well, honor. I remember it was just uh, about a month and a half ago you were on our show for Oddities and Entities, yeah. which is kind of a paranormal, a horror, and it's not a medium. It's not really the kind of book that I usually read, as I, I shared with the listeners then. But your writing, the way you write, is so unbelievably beautiful. It's almost like poetry. And the stories that you craft have such depth and such character. So I, when you booked this show, you had said that you were entering this, this competition in September. 
but I had no idea what would happen. And to get all these awards, this is kind of beyond, you know, it's like beyond happy, right? <laughs> this is yeah, really exciting. Uh, a little so, mind-dumping. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Thank you Well, again. let's get to the book we're going to be talking about today, which is totally different. It's called Remnant, and it's an anthology of three novellas, and it's in actually the science fiction or perhaps the speculative genre, whereas last time it was more of a horror, paranormal. And now this is the book. This is, has won awards last year and this year. So I want to uh, talk about how you crafted your stories, how you came about them, because all the stories, they are, they are very similar when it comes to the theme because people are really trying to find themselves. They're trying to get to the root of the real truth and stories between our best self and redeeming our, ourselves. Going back to what you learned when you were, you know, being kind of the fly on the wall, I guess, in the night shift in the hospital, because you've always said that you witnessed life from a slightly different perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, much, how much was influenced from your experiences there in writing Remnant? Because this is very different. We have the, the three different stories, um, taking place in all different time things. So I would like to start with the story, which is the last one in the book, Remnant, which that was my personal favorite, by the way. I really, I don't know, I just sort of grabbed onto that. So it's like the end of the world almost. And oh, yeah. how yeah. we can make peace with each other and with our past. Could you tell us how that one came about? Was Had you, had you experienced any pandemic scares in the hospital? What was it? Uh, the, the story with Remnant, you know, it, it's, it's, well, I think it's kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> uh, it, it grew out of a, a number of different considerations. I mean, in, in the hospital, unfortunately in the world today, there, there are certain disaster preparations and things that people need to, to be aware of when you work in what's called the, the response sector of society. And, uh, you know, not that I'm running out in a, in a hazmat suit, but, I work in the lab, and if something serious does start to happen or come into the hospital, we are going to be a part of that. But, uh, you know, working in the lab, uh, I, I think many of us tend to be germphobes <laughs> because we work with some hazardous materials, and sometimes you are uh, trying to grow things that you don't want in people, but we need to identify them. and. It it does make you uh, a little, or at least it makes me a little conscious of the idea that you know the as beautiful a place as the world is, there's a microscopic aspect to it that just looks at you as a uh, giant plate of fertilizer to grow on. <laughs> it really has you know no regard for your uh, personal well-being. But um, you know that that sort of fear set the pretext for uh, the, the basis of remnant of this global pandemic and certainly there's there's a rich tradition of of that kind of opening to a story and that's why in the story i really didn't try to focus on the details of the illness or where it came from because that that's not really what i wanted to talk about i didn't want to write a techno thriller let's say i wanted to think about right, well, what happens when you're I'm yeah, sorry, was you, you know to me it was about the relationships of the three people, and then what was really happening, especially to Peter, and having 
to realize that, you know, you're one in 50, uh, was it 50,000? Yeah, one in in 50,000. So the chances that you're going to be alone in the world and do you want to live in this world and how do you live in this world, that was the importance of the story. Yes, and and that's what I was going to say was I I wanted to deal more with what, what does this mean then to be left behind, to be a remnant. And, you know, that's the only real technical concern I had was that ratio of survivability because I thought I wanted to put the characters in a space where nobody was around, but yet it wasn't impossible to find other people because the whole act of finding people, and like you said, connecting and trying to reestablish this sense of your, your existence, not just locked in yourself, but in dealing with other people, and that's really how you define your place in the world. And I thought by taking this really fractured situation, isolation, isolation does things to people. And one of the things it does is it forces you to self-examine. You don't have anybody to talk to but yourself. So you're going to sit, and like sometimes happens at night, you know, memories go through your head, and this is a similar situation, but it doesn't end. It's day after day, and part of that inward retreat is then set against now when Peter meets the, the two people who come into the story, he now has to confront, well, why exactly am I choosing isolation? It doesn't have to be this way. There is a choice, but he has to get past himself to make that choice. Well, and so much, too, in this story had to deal with guilt. And it's like the guilt of surviving. Not yes. to something wrong, but... You know, we've, we've experienced that when other uh, tragedies have happened in the world where there's an earthquake somewhere and somebody sitting next to you is killed and you survive and the guilt that you have because you're the survivor. Yeah. So it, it had a, the story also was dealing with the emotions that we do, that we have to cope with in, you know, what's next? I mean, how do I, how do I deal with this? Why me? Why was I saved and my whole family was wiped out? That's reality. Yes, and uh, you know that's like you said that 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 is his his biggest issue in the story because what I wanted to do when crafting his character was have him have a little bit of a sense of you know that in his family his, between his wife and his daughter that they were the light for him and right. they kind and of they brought him up. People. So by he, losing he, them. It's not just losing the thing he values most, it's losing like the light and optimism in his life. So he, as a pretty flawed and imperfect person, certainly within his, his own perspective of himself, he now has to, like I said, he has to dig himself out of that hole. And that survivor guilt is a, a huge part of it, because it, part of trying to make sense of the world is, why is he there when he thinks he was less than some other people who were not there? And, you know, part of his guilt is the only gift he could have asked for was to go with them, but he didn't. So as much as he's alive, he feels cursed. So, And he almost feels, dead, you know, dead inside because of the fact that he felt like he was less than a person. He wasn't as good. Very often he's saying, my wife was the good one. She was the good person, yeah. right? So, But he doesn't. He doesn't come to those terms until later on that, you know, everybody has something. I thought that was such a real, it doesn't matter where it's set, that remnant, we are all remnants, aren't we? Yes. 
Well, you know, if you think about it, you go through life, and we're all, in a sense, our own little island. We have our own thoughts and our perceptions of life and how we want to live it. But it's how you take that and then interact with people that really defines who you're going to be. And for him, you know, that's why I wrote in, in the backstory of his character, he always had this, he kind of rejected the world. He was a very sensitive person. He's an intelligent person. And I think like many people probably do, you watch the news and he, after a while it's like you just, you want it to go away. You, you look at things that go on in the world and you just want it to stop. And his response to that was a little bit more extreme where he used to fantasize the boy, if it all just went away, you know, just let it go away. And that is part of what fuels his guilt because now it has gone away. In a way, he, he feels that he's condemned himself to his own fantasy. And now that he's in it, and it's part of his revelation at the end, it's not all that it was cracked up to be. <laughs> and exactly. I love the ending, by the way. I thought that I, it ended in such a way that it gives you hope. And that, you know, to me, that's part of what you want. Yes. And uh, that, was, that was why I put the story, you know, at the end of the book. And I think maybe that's why it, it has the most impact of the three stories, because not just that it's, it's closer in, in time to what we know today, but it, it closes that whole arc because he's the character at the end of the book where he gets to understand himself, he gets to have his life, and it ends, like, like you said, it ends on a very hopeful tone. He's yeah. made his atonement, and life is ahead of him now. And he's looking at it with optimism. It's bright. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a, a heavy read, some parts of the book, but I like the fact that it ends at that point. Because that's yeah, really that's, the way I wanted to, to bring it up. That's what I loved about it. Because the takeaway from it is that despite any problems, any obstacles that we're going through in life, and no matter who we think we are, there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. We just gotta have to find that right door to the tunnel with that light. And so that's you know, that's way in the future, it's in outer space. That, to me, was very fascinating, too, because it's all about war criminals or convicted war criminals and having to figure out their past. But it also has this whole medical element. I can really see how, with all this, these tests that are being done, et cetera, that it came from something that maybe, maybe was that sparked again in the hospital? Because I'm always intrigued by how our what we experience in life or what we see, how we can augment it as a writer and create characters around it. Because you, you never know as we're reading this if he's living in real time or if this is an experiment that's happening. It, it, it's fascinating the way we've written it. So tell us a little bit about All the Fallen Angels. Well, the, the story for that, I wanted to do almost like a gothic horror story, but I, I wanted to set it out in the future. And, uh, you know, I, when I wrote the, the three novellas that came together in this book, I didn't originally write them to be together. I just wrote them as standalone stories. And it was only afterwards that I, I kind of remolded them a little bit to all complement each other and fit together. But in, in doing that, the, the setting for all the fallen angels, it starts off the book and it, it kind of pins the theme because. 
it is a little surreal. It has kind of a gothic chill to it. And, yeah, there, there are a lot of parts where you, you don't really know if it's in his head or if it's outside of his head. But that sort of gray area, that ambiguity, I, I think set the stage for where the rest of the book could, could grow from. Because if you look at that story, yes, it's, a, it's about a war criminal. He has a really horrible past. But yet, because of the experimentation that was done, he's part of it, but yet he doesn't know he's part of it. And it's sort of like an emotional virus that goes around and affects everybody. Only too late do they, do they realize this. Um, well, I like, you know, I like what there was a sentence that you wrote that it was the perfect laboratory, meddling with people. And that just, hey, what, even though this is sci-fi and it's kind of a little bit of horror sci-fi and on the gothic side, as you said, wouldn't it be possible to have something like this happen? I mean, how do we really know that we're here on planet Earth? Maybe we're all a laboratory. It made me start thinking. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those questions of existence. You know, am I, am I real or am I not? Or am I feeling what I feel or is it being programmed into me. Uh, the, the kind of device I describe in the story is, you know, it, it's obviously a uh, fictional device, you know, and there's nothing like that nowadays, but I, I was thinking more of it in terms of you, know, you can read a book or listen to music or watch a movie, whatever, or even you can walk into a room and, you know, we as people, we are sensitive to the emotions of others. And what is being broadcast out emotionally, you, you tend to come in tune with it. You know, if you listen to, you know, some slow, sad music, you, you're probably going to feel a little down. So uh, I, I think, you know, the device I describe in this story obviously takes this to another level. But underneath, I thought there was the, the very, you know, valid common precept of you, you can be sensitive to other people's feelings. You know, we, we have empathy and you know, there's sometimes, like, relaying to work, there are times where I walked into a room in, in, the, in the ER, and, you know, for me, it's just my job. So I was walking around doing what I had to do. But you walk in a room, and sometimes you're confronted with a, a situation where, wow, something really horrible happened, and it's like somebody just airdropped you in there. And within seconds, you know, you, you get wrapped up in that emotion. Even though you don't know the people you're just finding out what, or just on the surface, what this is. So again, I think, you know, the idea of people being able to relate to emotions that are present is something that that we know it's it's common. So, like I said, the, the device is obviously fictional, but really, what makes the story work—that idea of empathy and being drawn into other people's emotions—that's something valid and something we know. So. I don't really think of it as a far-out story, but the delusion created by those emotions certainly creates the, the subtext for a story that is a little surreal. I actually called it a far-in story. It touch on enemy, I know you not. Because this one story about who can I trust? You know, that's the whole idea of betrayal. And that's a scary thing because trust is something that is earned. It's really not so 
And again, in this one, this is uh, another story of officers being captured and, and tortured and just trying to find out who they really can trust. Tell us a little bit about this idea. I'm sorry, Cynthia, this is the last part of your question? I was just saying, and, and trust is how we can earn the trust. What gave you, what was your impetus for writing Enemy I Need Not? Well, it started out as a mystery. You know, I wanted to do, I, I wrote it actually quite a long while ago. And uh, at the time, there was a, a big vogue in science fiction of, you know, virtual reality and people being trapped in computers. And not that I was trying to, to blaze any new frontier there, but just in terms of pushing my own writing in another direction, I thought, boy, wouldn't that be neat if you're in a virtual situation, now a murder happens, and the characters really don't know anymore what's real, did anything actually happen, are they actually able to trust the person next to them, or has betrayal been written into a situation? You know, And it, it takes all the grounding, and that's why I wanted to use a platoon because you know it's a tight-knit brotherhood trust is implicit because you know not to be cliche but your life depends on the person next to you right now they're in a situation where the rug is you know pulled right out from under them and they don't know who to trust anymore they don't even know if they can trust themselves as individuals because they they can't separate because of that situation what is real and what is being built around them so it's a great setting for paranoia and, <laughs> and suspicion and, once again, to take characters and really put them through the ringer and make them ask that question, you know, can I trust myself? Do I know what's real? And then the dovetail, what does trust really mean? Well, and it also was frightening to me to think of there are so many simulators out there now with all kinds of things we can do, and I thought, wow. This could really happen. What if the simulator really became, game, uh, became real? Well, Roland, you've got the Miami Book Festival coming up, yeah. and that's very exciting. And knowing that you were, you won the reader's favorite, you know, I am sure you're going to we're going to uh, you're going to have more awards to talk about. It's really fabulous, and we're just so excited for you. Let's give out your website. RolandAlnett.com, it's R-O-L-A-N-D-A-L-L-N-A-C-H.com, and there you can read his stories, you can read the reviews, you can get books, etc. So, again, fantastic job on Remnant, and his other book is Oddities and Entities. Just leave us with some final words about what's next, because you have obviously proved yourself that I'm sure as great as you were in the lab, you were probably even better here at the writer's table. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, I always have a, a number of projects I'm, I'm working on. I have uh, some books that I'm cleaning up, but my real active project right now is uh, it's going to be another more science fiction-based book. Uh, it's planning to call it The Lazarus Locus, and it basically is going to trace uh, discovery of uh, genetic code that really is what allows us to adapt and evolve and how people consciously be able to begin to manipulate this and really take a personal vested charge in deciding the evolution of humanity in a much shorter term 
you know, in generations rather than millennia. So it's, uh, it's a work in progress. Got about a third of it done, but I'm uh, very excited about it and uh, can't wait to get it all set and done and finished. So. Well, we'll be looking forward to that spectacular change. I know that I use the word spectacular to describe your writing, and I really think that is the key to the way you write. So thank you so much for coming back to share this. Congratulations on all these awards. Everyone, make sure to go to the website, RolandAlnut.com, and pick up a copy of Remnant. And while you're there, pick up the horror, paranormal book, Oddities and Entities. It's, the way uh, Roland writes is just so beautiful. I, I, just, I can imagine you writing poetry one day, but it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Roland, for joining me on Star Style. Be the star you are. Well, thank you very much for having me on again, and uh, always a pleasure to appear. <laughs> well, you are a star writer. You are, and it's thank been proven. <laughs> thank you, Roland. Well, I'm Cynthia Bryan, and when we come back, we're going to do some team scene. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Star you are. The star you What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you are. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. You might have heard the laws of stratospheric success. Well, Brian Tracy, who's been an influence in my own writings and philosophy, shares some great tips for making wealth happen. The law of value. If you learn to give more in value than you initially get in price, you'll soon get more business and grow your profits. And as a result, people will tell other people that you give great value. The law of compensation. Your income is determined by how many people you serve with excellence. The more you serve, the more walking, talking ambassadors you have in the marketplace to help you grow your business. Exceptional value plus exceptional service create exceptional prosperity. The law of influence. People do business with people they know and trust. The more you value and, and 
service you give, the more people know and trust you, the more they'll do business with you, and they'll encourage others to do business with you. The law of authenticity. People respond to people who are true, not phony. So in business, the best person you can be is yourself. That's what we say here at Be The Star You Are all the time. Give yourself and give value and excellence, and you'll create a sphere where people are magnetized to want to be around you and do more business with you. Be unstoppable. Believe so much in your goals and dreams that you are. You are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For information on booking or coaching a consultation session, call 925-377-STAR or visit starstyleproductions.com. Looking for unique one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, as a teen coach and editor of Teen Scene for the newspaper, I've had the opportunity to work with very talented young people with attitude and opinions. And today I thought I would share some of the selected published works. And you can read numerous articles that I've shepherded uh, at btsya.com. Just go to pen and paper. That's b. T-S-Y-A.com. It's the initials for Be The Star You Are. Many of these articles are published in the La Mirinda Weekly newspaper under Teen Scene, so you can also read them at LaMirindaWeekly.com. And many of my writers are actually reporters on our sister station on Voice America Kids on Express Yourself. So teens that write for Teen Scene, they usually become volunteers of Be The Star You Are charity. They receive community service credits for writing an article, and many have parlayed their writing into becoming the reporters on Express Yourself. So once they're a good writer, then I find out if they're a good communicator, and then we go from there. So the first one I wanted to read, because I thought it was fun, is an article from one of our new teen reporters on Express Yourself. She is Kai Kelly, and she actually is co-hosting some new shows of Express Yourself. This one she called Celebrities and Higher Education. It's a strange headline to imagine Miley Cyrus attends Harvard University or Taylor Swift feels pressure to attend elite college. Celebrities often claim to be just like an average person, minus the money, the beauty, and the fame, but it's pretty hard to believe that they understand what teenagers really are going through, especially the numerous academic and social pressures. Can someone like a Beyonce or a Zac Efron, People Magazine's World's Most Beautiful People winners understand what it's like for the rest of us? Well, a huge part of being a high schooler is the looming doom of college, where the questions, what do you think you want to do, or what schools have you been looking at, never seem to end. And for many celebrities... Graduating or even attending college is not the norm. Yes, there are the Natalie Portmans or the the Jake 
Gyllenhaal types who went to Harvard and Columbia, respectively. But most are more similar to California's former governor, the famous actor Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back, who attended just a small community college in Santa Monica. And though many celebrities opt to choose uh, to go out of higher education, those that do apply to college seem to have a greater advantage because of their fame. Take James Franco, for, uh, for example, an actor who attended UC- UCLA and Yale, And similarly, many celebrities who went to college before they were famous often didn't go to the nation's top universities, instead opting for many community and state colleges. With all the emphasis on elite education today, the rich and famous frequently put forward a very different point. They are living proof that the name of your college is not everything. And that's a hard lesson to grasp when you are a teenager in high school with a whole lot of teachers and adults who say something otherwise. Sure, we all don't want to become famous actors, and going to a good school certainly helps us along on our chosen path of success, but it's not the end of the world if we don't get into the top ten. And it's possible to achieve a goal without the Ivy League education on a resume, and the celebrity idols and pop culture show us that. I don't think that I'll ever find famous people to be entirely relatable to my everyday problems, but the idea that a college name is not a make it or break it is something I find comfort in, and hopefully you do too. So Kai is uh, is actually a champion swimmer. She's 15, and she is a sophomore in high school, and that's what she wrote. Now, Stephen Zhao Most of you, if you've listened to Express Yourself, you will know him. He was just 16 when he helped me launch BTSYA.com, and he was our first host, and he is still the administrator of Express Yourself. And he um, is also the webmaster at Express Yourself Creative, Creative Community. He started with me as an exuberant writer before he ever became interested in the radio, And then he became very focused, and he is now considered a thoughtful columnist. So this is his column. It's called Consider This, and this one is just called Reliability. In the last edition of Consider This and Teen Scene, we talked about how teenagers are often faced with difficult decisions and what they will do with their free time. The emphasis was on trying new activities and taking the time to pursue your passions. But what happens when you simply put too much on your already full plate? Our Express Yourself teen radio show survives by the reali- the reliability of our guests and our team members to be prepared, to be on time, and to be on topic. With each reporter being responsible and accountable for a specific segment, and if they weren't, the program could not broadcast every week. It takes a substantial amount of coordinating, writing, editing, recording, and promoting to produce a successful show. Production takes time, and as overscheduled teens, our time is precious. You may think that this leaves a lot of holes where items may fall through the cracks, and you would be absolutely right. We had have we have had several last-minute cancellations, many of them in the last month alone, that forced us to scramble to reorganize the show, find a backup guest, or just simply fill in. Unreliable and and unresponsible and unpredictable people are the bane of a school system, a society, or a radio program where success is based on interdependency. Being an organized person when presented with such situations, I find myself frustrated at the complications that cancellations, delays, and postponements produce. But now I'm starting to see these scenarios from the other side of the tunnel. 
I write this as I fight off a fever, recover from a weekend trip in which I had no sleep, and respond to the 50-plus emails and calls I received when my computer was powered down. There are times when we put too much in our plates, and now it seems to be that for me. I could have very easily not written the column this week and become one of those people that I call a flake. But while speaking with friends from our local schools who are also overextended, it seems to be part of our culture. We all have too many things to juggle, too many college applications, tournaments, sporting events, volunteer activities, homework, church, family obligations, not to mention social interactions. I'm not sure what the solution is to a balanced schedule, but consider this. While it is wise not to overwhelm oneself, it's also essential to be reliable, responsible, and accountable for the obligations undertaken. It's simply wrong to drop your duties without a second thought. The activities in which we engage in our teen years prepare us for the real world, and we need to ask ourselves an important question. How much can I offer or do and still be dependable? If we can't be reliable, it's best to clean our plates. And that's just a little bit from some of our teens. So thank you so much for joining us this week from this live broadcast coming from Newport Beach. We really appreciate you. And Heather, Brittany, and I will be with you next week. For more information about the charity, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org or BTSYA.org. For information on StarStyle, visit StarStyleProductions.com. We hope you were inspired and encouraged and motivated to see beyond your physical being and to dream of being your best self and then go out and do it and read a book, read Remnant this week. A book is always like a garden in your pocket. Until next week, remember that love always wins, kindness prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan from StarStyle, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for tuning in every week for the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Our goal is to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to reach for the stars and shine brightly. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. You're invited to our Power Party next week and every week right here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel with the dynamic duo, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, our health hero, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers on the planet. We'll pour more champagne for the spirit with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until we play again, be the star you are. You.